All right, so let's read. Let's read Psalms 32. Blessed is the ones whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sins the Lord does not count against them, and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by a bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad. You righteous, sing, all who are upright in heart. These are the words of the Lord. So as I was preparing for, for today, um, and it's, it's, it's been different um, these last few months because we know ahead of time, way ahead of time, what we're going to, to preach on. And, and, uh, and I made a mistake of reading all these different commentaries about Psalms 32. And I had pages and pages and pages of notes going into this. And, and Dave, a couple weeks ago in, in our preaching lab, said, man, I haven't read any of that stuff yet. I want to do my sermon first, and then I'll go read all that stuff. And I was like, oh, man. Because as I prepared this, I had like a 45-minute sermon going on, and, and, and it was just, I was like, oh, man, it's, it's all over the place. Um, so the last couple days, in fact, Sonia came home last night from a hike and said, uh, you're still working on that? Yes, yeah, it's starting over. Um, yeah, so this morning I was trying to, to get this all figured out um, so, that it, so that it was a little bit smoother. You know, one of the things that I, that I, that I was just struck with the, the last few days is that this is a very straightforward 11 verses. And I was trying to make it more complicated than it was. Um, yeah, I had stuff from the Heidelberg Catechism. I had stuff everywhere, you know, that, that yeah. I mean, it's, so I had to simplify it. And, you know, the main issue is that there is joy in forgiveness. Joy in forgiveness. And so that's going to be the, the main point today as we go through this. I have three points. And joy in forgiveness is the main one. Joy in forgiveness. Number two is we get some godly counsel. And in verses 6 through 10, uh, we get some very good advice from David that is godly counsel. And verse 11 says, rejoice, rejoice in the Lord and be glad. So that is the third. So we have those three things. 
uh, this morning that are my points. And again, the first one's going to take most of the time because that is the, that is the, the most, uh, what I think is one of the most important things. We have joy when we come and we be forgiven. You know, we do the confession and assurance every week here at New Life Church. And that sets our example and what we should do. And, and yeah, you might as well just preach my sermon for me this morning with our confession and assurance because you hit everything that I'm going to hit this morning. The author of this psalm is David. And one of the commentaries that I looked at is David was a very sinful man, just like we are. You know, that I had a thing that listed all the different things that he had done wrong. Uh, but yet it says God, he is a man after God's own heart. He is a man after God's own heart. He's a sinful man. But yet he is a man after God's own heart heart. Why is that? Why is that? It's because he really knows how to repent. So we're going to cover that. Now, Psalms 32 kind of is associated in some of the reading I did with, with, with Psalm 51. And 51 is really, he's really uh, asking for forgiveness against his sin against Uriah and Bathsheba. Some of the things I read said that this could be, but, but it may just be his confession for some of his other sins as well. So when you have time, go and you can read Psalms 51, because it goes right along with Psalms 32. But in this, David is expressing here that he has so much joy whenever he confesses his sin. When he gets forgiven, he has so much joy. So as we look at confession of our sin, there's some things that we need to, to really understand as we come to confess. First of all, we need to understand that our world does not see sin the same way we see sin. Our world thinks that if it feels good, it's got, it can't be sin. If it brings us joy, it can't be sin. Um, you know, there's so many things out there that draw us to them that they be, can become our God. And how could that be sin if that is your God, right? But, so we need to first recognize our sinfulness and our tendency to do wrong. We need to recognize our sinfulness and our tendency to do wrong. So that's the first thing that we have to do before we confess our sins. We need to realize that sin is rebellion against God. God has commands for us to follow. He wants us to follow the things that, that he's established. I talked last time I preached about trying to live holy, that holy living. Again, it's not perfection, but we're trying to do that. And so whenever we stumble and we, we have sin, we need, to, we need to know that that is rebellion against God. We need to admit our sin to God. Now, this is the confession part, right? We need to admit our sin to God. We need to trust God that he is willing to forgive us. And sometimes this is difficult. Whenever we've sinned and we think, you know, how can God forgive me for what I've done? We need to understand that he is willing to forgive us. And we're going to see later where he puts it aside. He doesn't even see it anymore. He puts it out of sight. What a loving God. What a loving God that can do that. Because it's not so easy for us. You know, when we forgive somebody, I have trouble putting that out of sight. I can't do that. Okay? But we serve such a good God. And with that, we have to accept his forgiveness. We have to accept that he has forgiven us. Now in Romans 3, 23, it says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So everybody here 
hate to tell you this, but we've all sinned, okay? I'm sure we all knew that. In 1 John 1, 8 and 9, it says, if we claim to have no sins, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sin to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all wickedness. So we have all sinned. We have all sinned. Don't fool ourselves in thinking that, that, that we can live a life that without sin, because Jesus is the only, ones that's, only person on this earth that walked on this earth that can say that he was without sin. But once we acknowledge our sin, we can see how much our God loves us. He sent his son to bear the weight of our sin on a cross. The only person without sin took all of our sin and died on a cross for us. And as I preached last time, this had to be the plan from the beginning. Why else would Jesus come to earth? He was our example, right? Okay, but he lived the perfect life and we cannot live that perfect life. But he came to die for our sins. And so now, as we go through that and we see that we have sinned, we see that it's a rebellion against God, we need to repent. And I always come back, I don't even remember how long ago this was. Adrian was preaching then. And it was Easter time because there was a cross right here. And he gave such a good description of repentance where sin was over this way. Sorry, everybody, but sin's over this way. I don't know why. But, but sin was over this way. All right? And we're going to, we're sinning. We're walking this way. And he said, we have to turn. Put that sin behind us. Face God, Jesus on the cross, because the cross was right there. And he says, give that sin back to Jesus, because he already paid the price. So we repent, and we give that sin back to God. And, and that was just, again, such a good analogy that, that again, it's, it's, it'll be in my mind forever until I have dementia. And in verse 2, it talks about when, when we do repent, God does not count our sin against us. He puts it out of sight. What a joy that is to know that God forgives us and we are sinful, but whenever we give it over to God, he, you know, I always pictured as a kid him wiping the, you know, the, the chalkboard clean of, of under my name because I no longer have sin there because I just gave it to him and it's wiped away and it's, it's gone. And it's gone. What a blessing that is. Now, also in verse 2, this is very important to understand. We can't confess our sin unless our heart is not deceitful. We can't fool God. We can't just go through the motions and say the words and say, oh, yeah, I sinned. Uh, yeah, I did this, this, and this, and this this week. God, forgive me. Up, oh, and I'm going to go right back to it right now. Okay? No, we can't do that. You can't just go through the words because God knows our heart, and there cannot be deceit in our heart. Now, the simile that I really liked in all those things that I read came from uh, Cornelius Plantica Jr. And that simile says, confessing sin is like taking out the garbage. Do it on a regular basis because it's the healthy thing to do. Sin Garbage. Sin is like garbage. So 
As I looked at that, I said, you know, that's, that's awesome. All right? Do, what habit do we have taking out the garbage? Do we take it out on a daily basis at a certain time of the day? Do we wait until our trash can is full? And if we have a small trash can, buy a bigger one so we don't have to take it out as much? Do we wait for somebody to tell us to take out the garbage before we take it out? Do we wait till well, our house, it's Thursday, the big, the big you know, purple truck comes by on Thursday. Oops, sorry, green truck for some of you. Um, the big green truck comes by and takes your garbage on Thursday, and now you've taken it once a week. Maybe you live somewhere where the garbage truck doesn't come by, so you put it in your truck and you haul it off to the dump once you have a truckload. But we all have something that we do to take out the garbage. Now let's look at our sin. Sorry, Ross, I keep moving back and forth. You're probably getting sick. Okay. Um, he usually takes Dramamine when I preach, so we're good. <laughs> so let's look at our sin hab- habit and confessing our sin habit that we have, just like we do with garbage. Do we take it out every morning, every day? Do we wait till our heart is full of sin? Do we wait till somebody reminds you that you're sinful? Do we wait till that once a week and just confess it on Sunday mornings during the confession and assurance time? What is our habit? What is our habit? You know, maybe we wait till our garbage or our sin stinks before we take it out. You know, we don't want to get to that point, right? But I just love that analogy. If we, if we look at our sin, which God has to think of our sin as garbage, we need to take it out on a regular basis. We need to give it to God on a regular basis. Now, in Psalms 32, there are great examples of holding what sin does if we keep sin to ourselves. If we don't confess our sin to God, it saps us like the summer heat. And again, we all live here in Grand Junction in the desert. We understand that. You know, in the summertime, you're out in that heat. And I can't imagine living, you know, down in Phoenix in the summertime and just being sapped by that summer heat with a job outside. But we understand that. It makes sense to us. When we have sin, it saps us of our energy and our strength. When we don't confess our sin, our bones waste away. And we're groaning all day long due to the burden of sin. You know, when I think of the groaning too, sometimes I think, you know, how our attitude gets whenever, right? Whenever things aren't quite right and we get a little chippy and we, we just, we don't feel good and we just, we snap at everybody and we're not very nice. And again, now groaning can, can, can just be that. Oh, God, I, I just can't bear the weight of the sin. Oh, okay. And we, so we've got to give it over to him. And I like the, the, the analogy that it gives us of the rushing water. The rushing water. If you think of, you know, uh, the rushing water is trying to sweep somebody away. You know, we don't live in a place that there's a lot of floods, but we, we, we see it on the news. You know, this flood water comes, and, and, it, and it's just amazing to watch it. And again, I've never got to see it in person, which I hope I don't. But, but it just sweeps things away. You know, they're rescuing people that, that their car's been swept away. So we need to confess our sin to God, talk to God before that rushing water hits us, and it takes our breath away, or it sweeps us downstream, okay, or it's too late. But it's never too late, of course, with our sin, right? We can always, always come back to God and confess our sin. So stop holding on to your sin. Stop holding on to your sin. David tells us that there is joy in forgiveness when we can confess our sins to God. Okay? 
We don't have to be sapped of our energy. We don't have to have that hurting inside our bones and, our, and that groaning. We can still go on. You know, and as I was thinking about Mr. Planigan's gar- garbage simile, you know, where's our sin at? It, it's in us, right? I mean, I don't know. Is it, is it in our heart? Well, I'm going to put it there for now. Because also, God tells us that when Jesus ascended to heaven, he gave us the Holy Spirit. Where's the Holy Spirit at? He's inside of us, right? So me, being the simple person I am, I'm like, okay, the Holy Spirit's inside of me. My sin's inside of me. It's a little crowded in there right now. I'm claustrophobic. Man, I, I got to have room for that Holy Spirit to work. I got to get rid of my sin on a regular basis so the Holy Spirit can work inside of me. For us to be able to do the things that God wants us to do, we need to get rid of our sin and let the Holy Spirit work inside of us. I got off my notes. I don't know where I'm at. (laughs) The assurance of God as our refuge is one that comes up here too. I believe it's in verse 7, maybe verse 6. We're going to hear a lot about refuge coming up in the next couple of weeks with Dave and with Mark. So I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that. But we have the assurance that God is our refuge. He is our protector and he is our deliverer. In verse 7, it says it surrounds us with songs of deliverance. For anybody that knows me, know that I cannot sing. I am not musically talented one bit. But I have a new appreciation since I've been doing some online stuff. It was a year ago, by the way, right now, that the district decided to go online. And so I've been able to do something I have never done in the past 30 years, and that is have the radio on to Christian music while I'm working. So I have a new appreciation for this verse right here that I've never had before any other time that I've read it. Because I surround myself every day with a Christian radio station, and it is just uplifting. I can even sing because nobody's home. And it's, it's not very good, so I don't sing very often. Uh, but I can sing in my heart. And so I have a new appreciation for that. He surrounds us with songs of deliverance. When you hear those praise and worship songs, when you hear those stories about positive things that people are doing and how God is working in people's lives, it is uplifting. So I can imagine this verse, and it talks about surrounding us with songs of deliverance. We just need to confess our sin to God with a pure heart, and we have this deliverance. And as we were reading, you know, like I said earlier in Matthew 28, if you were reading that stuff, the last verses of Matthew 28, and it says, go preach, teach, baptize in the name of Jesus, and I am with you always. We need to get rid of that sin in our hearts so that we can do the things that God has commanded us to do. When we repent of our sin, we need to find, we have that joy and we can serve the Lord the way that he's calling us to serve him. So the second point I have is the godly counsel. Godly counsel. Some very wise words that that David is giving us here from God. In verse 6 it says, let the faithful 
pray. Let the faithful pray. In Thessalonians 5, 17, it says pray uh, continually. Pray continually. Now, most of us probably can't pray 24 hours a day, you know, every minute of the day. But I don't think that's not exactly what it means. But it says pray through. It means pray throughout the day. Pray as often as you can. Pray as often as the Holy Spirit is leading you to talk to our Lord. What is prayer anyway? What is prayer anyway? It is our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Our Heavenly Father wants that relationship to us. He wants us to talk to Him. And that is what prayer is. In verse 7, it says, God is our hiding place, our refuge. We are to seek the Lord. We are to seek the Lord. So whether that be in prayer, whether that to be in his word, we are to seek him. When, we, when we're in his word, we need intention. We are trying to find God. We need to turn to him. And again, you're going to hear refuge the next couple of weeks from, from up here, from Andrew and Mark. So verse 7, he is our hiding place. He is our refuge. Now verse 8 has several things in it. It says that he will instruct us, he will teach us, he will counsel us. So my question was, as I was reading this, how is he teaching us? How is he counseling us? How is he instructing us? It's with his word. I didn't bring my Bible up here. I have a big Bible. Um, Yeah, and I can't read it because the print's too small. Um, We need to be in his word. Brothers and sisters in Christ, he wants that relationship with us. He wants us to grow. And in verse 8, he wants to teach us his ways. He wants to counsel us. When we are struggling, the answer is in the Bible. Get in the Bible and find it. We need, to, we need to be in his word with a purpose. Psalms 119, 105, it says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He tells us in his word where we can go. He will light the way if we can find it, if we are in his word. In Proverbs 30, verse 5, it says, Every word of God proves true. He's the shield for those to take refuge in. You know, this life is not easy. We all know that. So when we struggle, that's when we really need to make sure that we are seeking his counsel and seeking his words so that we can take refuge in him. And again, David wrote this, and David, you know, for a long time was hiding from King Saul, right? He knew that he had to find a safe place to take refuge. Now, you know, he found some caves, he found some places, but again, his refuge was in God because God was protecting him. And the first part of Romans 15.4 says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. Sharper than a two-edged sword. That meant a lot back in those days, right? That was their weapon of choice, was the two-edged sword. So we need to be in his word. Now, verse 9 talks about not being stubborn. And it was one that I can relate to because my dad is a cowboy. And I was raised around horses my entire life. Um, And I understand trying to catch a horse 
that is in the pasture. Does anybody here have horses? Anybody been around horses? There we go. All right. So you guys can relate too to this. This, I mean, this is one that, yeah, I understand this. I didn't have to do any reading to figure out what this one meant. Yeah, horses. I, I, I get so mad at my dad's horses. They're running around. He wants to go riding, and I'm trying to catch them, and they're out at the other end of the pasture. I go down there. They run up to the front. I go down. Oh, just chase them around forever. So, so we had to use our minds, get some grain out. Ah, they'll come to me. All right. Or if we could get them into a small pen, throw some hay in a small pen, they'll come in there, and then I can catch them. And if, if you don't know what a bit is, because it says you need a bit or a bridle to control them. So a bit is for that horse that is strong-willed. He's going to do what he wants to do. And that bit goes inside of their mouth. And you can take them wherever you want to go because that bit helps you out and you can take them anywhere because they don't like it. Now, we only had a couple horses that needed a bit and I didn't want to ride those horses. So... Yeah. But a bridle. If we didn't have a bridle, most of the horses, you know, wouldn't go where you want them to go. You know, my dad was an outfitter, so we're up in the mountains trying to go through all these little game trails. And yeah, so you really wanted them to go right where you wanted to go and not where they thought they should go and try to knock you off your saddle. Okay. So that bridle was important. That bridle was important because you want them to go where you want them to go. God wants us to go where he wants us to go. So the bit and the bridle and the stubborn horse make a lot of sense. We've got to make sure that we aren't stubborn and we give our sin to God. We've got to make sure that we are listening to God in prayer and his word. And we're going where he wants us to go without that bit in our mouth because that bit would be so uncomfortable. But some of us need that bit sometimes to tell us, hey, you need to be going this way back to God. We need to have that understanding, that knowledge of where God wants us to go. So again, be in his word, prayer, okay? Um, And we can't do it by ourselves. We need our heavenly Father to help us, to teach us, to guide us, to counsel us in the ways that we should go. And I love verse 10. Verse 10 says, it talks about God's love. Know that we are loved by God. His unfailing love for those who trust in him. Unfailing love for those that trust in him. Our God loves us. You know, those people that, that are looking for those other things, those worldly things to, that, that become their gods, those things don't love them. Those things are going to go away. And then what are they going to do? They do not have a God that will, that will take their sins from them and still love them. And we do. You know, as, as a council, we've been praying Ephesians 3 for our church body now for, for over a month. And I love how, how it talks about the love of God for us. The love of God for us. He tries to describe it in Ephesians 3. God's love is so wide, so long, so high, so deep. So grab, get, yeah, figure that out. So high, so wide, so long, so deep. Can you get a picture of how much God loves us? It is so great that he can't describe it. I mean, I can't picture what that looks like. It, yeah, it's, it's engulfing everything, right? 
And then the next verse down, it says, you know, Jesus loves us so much that we can't comprehend it. He loves us so much. We serve a God that loves us. What joy there is in knowing that our God loves us. He wants us to turn from our sin and confess it, turn our face back to him and confess it and give it to him to find rest in our Lord. He wants us to pray, to seek him, to look for his teaching and his wisdom and his word. Find his counsel. He wants us to know that we are loved. And as I conclude this morning, verse 11 stands by itself. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad. Again, we serve a God that is so loving And we don't deserve it, right? We don't deserve it, but we can turn from our sin and we can confess it to our Lord with a pure heart. And he takes that sin and pushes it aside where he can't see it. We are seeing all who are upright in heart. We are seeing all who are upright. God wants us to praise him and to worship him. Even for people like me that cannot sing a lick, he wants us to praise him. Oh, we praise God, all the joy to the Lord. Lord, We are forgiven. Rejoice in knowing that we have joy when we confess our sin to God. Rejoice that we have victory in Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Really, Father, Lord, we, we come to you this morning, Lord, and we know that uh, we have a sinful nature, Lord. We need to know that we need to make the time to confess to you our sin, Lord. Lord, we ask that you'll take that out of our heart. Take that strain, that burden of sin, and let us give it to you, Lord. Let us know that you accept that sin. We have the assurance that you want to take our sin from us, that you sent Jesus to bear the weight of our sin. And we just trust, Lord, that you will take it and wipe it clean, Lord. We just thank you, Lord. Just let me pray. Amen. We rejoice. Jesus is our Redeemer, our joy, our righteousness, our freedom, and our peace. So please stand and join us in rejoicing in our Savior.